This morning and for the following next six weeks, we are going to be preparing ourselves for Easter, for Resurrection Sunday, in a season that traditionally in the Christian church has been called the season of Lent. Now, if you would have asked me a couple decades ago, uh, hey, Ross, what is Lent? I would not have been able to answer that question because I didn't grow up in a church that observed this season or called this thing Lent. So I would not have known what you were talking about. I would have probably said that's the stuff that comes out of the dryer, you know, when you pull that little thing out, that's, that's Lent. But that's not what we're talking about, okay? Uh, but Lent is a season and a, a practice of sacrifice and fasting and preparation for Easter that Christians have practiced for hundreds and now thousands of years. But if you grew up in kind of the non-denominational evangelical world like I did, you may, your church may not have practiced this. Uh, so some of you may be thinking, Lent, isn't that some type of uh, Roman Catholic thing where you, know, you don't eat hamburgers on Friday or that kind of deal? Isn't that yeah, just, a, just a Roman Catholic thing? And some of it, and it's not just a Roman Catholic thing, but raise, raise your hand if you grew up in a tradition that did practice or acknowledge Lent, okay? I see a couple hands in each, actually more than a couple hands in, in each section. It's probably about 50% as I look at it briefly here, or quickly here, I'm a very unscientific study. Some of you are thinking, hey, that's just a, you know, a traditional Catholic thing or high church kind of deal, and we're not Roman Catholic, so why should we do that? Uh, it's not just a Roman Catholic thing, but lots of Christian denominations have practiced this, not just Catholics, but Anglicans and Methodists and, and all sorts of different denominations have, have done this in various ways. Some of you are thinking, well, you know, the sacrifice and preparation and thinking about the cross, I mean, why do that? Because we just, I mean, we do that every week. I mean, we're, we're always thinking about the cross. We're always thinking about the resurrection. We're always talking about Jesus in church, right? And I would say, I would say yes. Okay, Deanna, I'm doing the preaching right now, okay? Uh, just kidding. Uh, we are every week, but I, I would kind of challenge you like this. It's maybe, it might be similar as saying something like this. Uh, yes, I always, you know, am trying to get to know my wife and, and grow in our relationship. Uh, and sometimes I do that by taking her out on a date because it's a time that I get to spend one-on-one -on -one time and special time with her, okay? You, may, you might say, yeah, you know, our family, we're really tight. We're always doing stuff together. But I bet some of you to intentionalize that may take a vacation together where you intentionalize focus on being together. Rhythms and seasons of life are built into creation. Did you know that? Seasons of the year, months, weeks, sunrises and sunsets. We have rhythms and we have a calendar that changes. And so the idea of this Lenten season is to focus us, is to take intentional time to look at Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and to prepare us for that wonderful celebration of Easter. 
And so Lent has uh, traditionally been this, it comes, the Latin term gives us this idea of 40 days. So for the next 40 days, we will focus our hearts uh, in our time together here on the words of Jesus on the cross. So I wanna ask you this morning as we begin, would you maybe give this a shot? And I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I have some one particular thing that I'm gonna try to do to, to focus and, and to uh, fast of sorts. Uh, but what would be your Lenten intention, if you will? And maybe you just wanna ask the Lord right now, you know, Ash Wednesday was this last Wednesday. The Lenten season begins with ash on foreheads, reminding folks that from dust you came and from dust you will return. But then the Lenten season concludes with what? Not dust, but resurrection. So from death to life over these 40 days. So I wanna ask you, what might be your Lenten intention? And maybe just write, even silently right now, let's just close our eyes. And if you haven't done this yet, just ask the Lord to prompt you if there is something he would like you to add to your routine, your rhythm, these next 40 days or something he would like you to subtract for the next 40 days. And I'm just gonna give you a moment to think about that. And now I wanna invite you to stand with me uh, as we read from Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and I'm gonna read uh, verses 26 and 27, and then I'm gonna skip on down to, verses, to verse 32. It'll be on the screen uh, also, but Luke 23, beginning in verse 26, okay? As they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. Verse 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we'll stop right there. You can be seated. So over these weeks, we are gonna look at what has been called the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. And today we begin with these poignant words of Jesus, the first words that he spoke on the cross, Father, forgive them. You may uh, remember some of the others, but there are actually seven. If you look in all the gospels and put them together, uh, there are seven last phrases that Jesus says that we're gonna look at through these weeks of Lent. So next week we'll look at today you will be with me in paradise. I bet many of you have heard that those wonderful words of hope. And then other interesting ones like, uh, I am thirsty. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me in the weeks to come? And so that's where we're heading. And today we start with this uh, amazing word of mercy from Jesus while he hangs on the cross. And before we look at the actual words, okay, I want us to think quickly here about the centrality of the cross to begin with. 
I mean, why would we take these weeks to focus of Jesus on the cross and then his resurrection? Why the importance of the cross? Now, the cross today is uh, oftentimes a piece of jewelry. We have it hanging uh, in the focus of our sanctuary. You see it hung on walls. You see it as art. You see it as, as, as I said, jewelry that people wear. Why is the cross so central? Because in Jesus' day, it was not a beautiful piece of art. It was actually a, a sign of shame. It was a, a torture mechanism. And so this thing that was ugly and, and a sign of shame and disgrace has now become the focal piece or the center, if you will, of a faith called Christianity. How, why is the cross so central? And it is emphasized in our gospels. And in the entire New Testament, in fact, just a couple places, if you look at John, the Gospel of John, you, be, you, you see beginning in chapter 13 is the night before Jesus uh, dies. It's the, John's Gospel has 21 chapters, and chapters 13 to 21 all deal with the last few days and then the resurrection of Jesus. Like, it's pointed at the last part of Jesus' life. Same thing uh, in the Gospel of Mark. The last six chapters of the Gospel of Mark are all about Jesus' time, beginning in Palm Sunday, going into Jerusalem, and the last week, and then his resurrection of Jesus' life. Why this centrality of the cross? One Bible scholar has said this, that the Gospels, the four Gospel stories that we have, are actually not as much biography as passion narratives with long introductions. Passion narrative being the suffering of Christ. Have you heard that word passion? The passion of the Christ, the movie? Passion just is a word that stands for the suffering of Jesus. So the gospels are passion narratives. It's all about the cross, but with a long introduction getting there. The cross and the death of Christ is actually the focus and the center of these gospels and, and, and even is the center of our faith, even as we get to the book of Revelation where we see this heavenly worship, you see that the angels and the elders fall down and they worship and it describes Jesus as the lamb who was slain. Still, it's talking about the sacrifice and the cross of Jesus. It is central. Jesus is, of course, a teacher. We have lots of Jesus teaching and, and there was no teacher like Jesus, right? No teacher greater than Jesus. But if Jesus was just a teacher, then he was like a lot of other pretty good teachers. But the focus of the gospel is that Jesus is not just a teacher, but that he is a sacrifice and he is an atonement for sin. He is not just someone who gave us wise words, but he is the lamb of God that was sacrificed on our behalf. John Stott says that Jesus' life domination was not in the living of his life, but in the giving of his life. That's what he continued to talk to his disciples about, even though they didn't get it, that he was going to die for us, die for them. And I love uh, reading biographies. Uh, but I can't think of any biographies that I've read that have such an emphasis on the person's death. I mean, you just wouldn't give a third of someone's biography to their death, right? 
Check me on that. If you can think of one, I, uh, just a couple months ago, I watched the movie uh, Lincoln, right? Now, that's a pretty significant death. But if you watch that long, you know, I think three-hour-long movie, Daniel Day-Lewis, incredible, you know, job in that movie. But Lincoln's death, he dies, and then the movie ends quickly after that. It's just a little bit of attention. But in the gospels and in the story of Christianity, we have this massive attention, the centrality of the cross because it's on the cross that this great exchange happens where our sin goes upon Jesus and get this, his righteousness is imputed to us as we look to that cross and believe. And so that's why we, with Christians for centuries and thousands of years now are going to focus over these seven weeks on Jesus' cross and resurrection, his work for us and his words on the cross. So today, with that long introduction, Jesus' word on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you imagine, can, can you picture it being nailed to wood, being beaten before you were nailed and then, and then being up on that cross and the first words that Jesus speak are words of forgiveness and words of mercy. This is an amazing God. This is an amazing savior. And his words are not even directed to us or even directed to those who are murdering him, but they're actually words directed. They show his divinity. They're directed towards the father. He says, father, forgive them. And that in itself that he was calling God father was another indicator of who he believed he was. If you look at John chapter 10, when he called himself father, the religious authorities said, you're making yourself equal with God. And even on the cross, Jesus is claiming to be equal with God by calling God his father. Father, I am your son. And I am asking you to forgive them for they know not what they do. And he is not just asking for the forgiveness of those who have been apathetic to him, but to those who are spitting on him, nailing him to a cross, mocking him as he hangs. In fact, if you look in some of those verses and some we didn't read beginning in verse 35, not only are his murderers mocking him, but it says uh, the people stood by watching the crowds stood by watching. And the next thing it says, and the rulers scoffed at him. Verse 36, not only were they standing by or scoffing, verse 35, or 36, excuse me, it says the soldiers mocked. And going on him down in verse 39, it says one of the, criminal, one of the criminals who hanged on the cross railed at him. And the first words that we find of our Savior are words of mercy. Father, forgive them, for they do not understand what they are doing. And the essence of this Christian faith is this mercy, this forgiveness that Jesus offers to guilty people 
mockers, scorners, and those just standing by apathetic. Even those today, he offers forgiveness to them, to us, for they know not what they do. On the cross is, is the display of Jesus' mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? What do they deserve, the people nailing him to the cross? What do we deserve of those who have been apathetic towards Jesus or rejected God or sinned against his commands? We deserve justice and as Jesus hangs on the cross, his first words are mercy. You know, a lot of people think that Christianity, Christianity today is just a judgmental religion. But at the center of, of this revelation of Jesus is mercy and forgiveness. He's saying, you deserve judgment, but I offer mercy. What are you bound by in, in guilt this morning? What kind of shame holds you back from your past? Things that you've done wrong, sins that you've committed, ways that you've failed God. And, and sometimes that stuff clings to us and we can't get past it. We can't break free from it. And on the cross, Jesus offers us an expensive and extravagant mercy. We weren't nailing his hands, but in another sense, we were. And he says, Father, forgive them. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is for me. No matter what you've done, no matter what your past is, no matter what you've said or the way you've failed God, the way you've cursed God, Jesus offers on the cross mercy and forgiveness to the vilest of sinners. And so if you can't get over your sin and guilt, what you're actually saying is that Jesus' blood was not enough. The payment that he offers is not good enough, but it is good enough. It is sufficient for all of our sins. Listen to the words of the song that we will sing here in a moment. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore, our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor, the weakest, the vilest, the poor, our sins, though they are many, his mercy is more. Guess what? The good news of the cross is that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus expressed on the cross. Forgiveness is available for every sin, for any sin, the vilest of all. Christianity is not about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's about receiving the mercy, the forgiveness of Jesus that cost him his very life. See, it's not just the words of Jesus, forgive them. It's not just the words that Jesus spoke upon the cross, but it's the work of the cross. As Jesus spoke these words, he bled and it's because he hung on the cross that his words had meaning and, and because he hung on the cross that his words would have account. 
He was saying, I can forgive because I am making this atonement. I am making this punishment on your behalf. That's why the cross is the center of Christianity. That's why it's the emblem of our faith. Because these are not just words of a teacher. These are words of a suffering savior who didn't just make declarations, but made himself sin and our punishment so that we could have liberty and freedom and life eternal. In fact, Paul says it so poignantly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul says this, for he made him sin who knew no sin that, you, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might be the righteousness of Christ. What's that saying is that all our sin put on Jesus and his righteousness now put on us. So if you have claimed Jesus, God the Father looks at you with the righteousness of Jesus. So again, to quote John Stott, theologian and scholar John Stott says, sin is us putting ourselves in the place of God. Sin is putting ourselves in the place of God and salvation is putting himself, is putting God, putting himself in the place where we belong. Did you get that? I jacked that all up. Sin is putting ourselves where only God belongs and salvation is God putting himself where only humans belong on the cross, right? The great exchange, sin for righteousness, payments for forgiveness, the cross of Jesus. So folks, get this, and I'm concluding with this, okay? Lent is not about groveling in sacrifice or feeling sorry for all of our sins. Lent is about being grateful for the cross. Lent is not about, oh, I'm so sorry, Jesus, you had to die on the cross, poor you. Lent and the cross is not to make us feel bad, it's to make us feel loved. It's not about groveling, it's about gratitude that we look to the cross and think he loves us because he bled for us. And some people say, I can't, I, I, I love Jesus teaching, but this whole idea about salvation and a free gift and cross and blood and all that stuff, that just seems outmoded and outdated. But here's the deal. How do you know Jesus loves us apart from the cross? Yeah, he healed some people. Yeah, he created this world, but it's on the cross that he shows the extent and the extravagance of his love, his mercy for us is seen, is displayed on the cross. Have you accepted his mercy? Have you received his forgiveness? I hope so. If you're here this morning and you ever thought that you could walk up to heaven on your own merit, the cross shows you you are so unable. The Son of God had to die on a cross. 
but you are so loved, he was delighted to do it. Have you received his mercy? What a wonderful season to say, Jesus, I know I cannot strive and achieve. I can only receive of your mercy. I receive it. Holy Spirit, come into my life and make me new. If you have never done that, if you've never received, you, you've been playing religion, but not receiving the mercy of Jesus, we're gonna have people at prayer stations here in just a minute. We would love to pray with you. If there is guilt and shame that you need to just lay at the cross and let go of finally, fully, so you can walk in the freedom of the mercy of Jesus, offer it in these next moments, okay? I wanna give us just a moment to just quiet your heart and do business with the Lord. And there's gonna be a prayer on the screen if you would like to pray that silently to yourself. I encourage you to do that. And in just a moment, I'll lead us in the table. Let's pray. plan by which you would send Jesus as a human like us to walk among us, to live perfectly, to obey in a way that we were unable and to die a death sufficient to pay for the sins of humanity. We thank you, God, that you have done that, that you have come and rescued us, that you have inaugurated this kingdom that is to come and that we enter it not on our merit but only by the mercy of Jesus Holy Spirit we ask that in these days ahead you would just quicken our hearts and tenderize us grow our love and devotion to Jesus in this season to make us glad glad followers and glad ambassadors of this mercy. It's in his beautiful name that we pray.